data-driven podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we explore how to transform your company and career through data-driven decision-making. Want to become a data storytelling aficionado? Then sit back, relax, and get ready to unlock the true potential of your data. Here's the host of the Data-Driven Podcast, Dominic Bohan. Welcome to the Data-Driven Podcast, where we dive deep into getting more value from our business data. Whether you're a data professional, leader, or just curious about developing data skills, the Data-Driven Podcast is here to guide you along your journey. I'm your host and the co-founder of StoryIQ, Dominic Bohan. Today, we're going to discuss AI in employee engagement. Joining us is Carolyn Clark, who's the Vice President of Employee Experience Strategy at Simpler. Simpler is a modern intranet that transforms the work experience for all employees, wherever and however they work. It's the only platform that unifies employee engagement, enablement, and services, leveraging state-of-the-art AI models to deliver a seamless, cohesive, personalized employee experience. And today, Carol and I are going to discuss AI-driven engagement. Okay, here's my conversation with Carolyn Clark, the Vice President of Employee Strategy at Simpler. Carolyn, thanks for joining us on the Data-Driven Podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Um, before we get into the power of AI, can we define employee engagement? What are we trying to do? What's it all about? How can it benefit people and organizations? Yeah. So really the buzzword is employee experience. And when you think about employee experience, there's like a lot of things that are part of it, right? There's how you keep your employees engaged, how you keep them productive. But when you think about that buzzword, the way that I like to think about employee experience is that it's what it's like to live somewhere. So if you're working for an organization, it's all the little things. It's the rituals. It's the way people talk to each other. It's the way that you eat your lunch. It's the way it's literally everything there. And it's such a big space that I think I think it's overwhelming because there's not a great way to necessarily define it. But for me, that's the defense. I define it as like, it's what it's like to live somewhere and all the things that goes with that, the good, bad, and the ugly. Okay, great definition. So what it's like to live somewhere, making the workplace sort of feel like home, all of the little interactions, little pieces that make up that experience. And just to my thinking, it sounds a little bit like the opposite of what we typically think of when we think about AI. It sounds like employee engagement's that real human side of things. So I'm really curious how AI comes in and fits into that. Yeah, you know, and my my general kind of philosophy, first of all, I think we can all admit we're just in the infancy of how AI is actually going to un- impact sort of our regular, the regular people like us, right? Like there's certainly been people who have been working in AI for many, many years, but for the general public, it's it's still baby. It's a baby. So here's what I'll say. I think that if people are using AI exclusively, right, if they're using it to do the job of employee engagement and experience, then absolutely they're missing the humanity in it. I think the people who are doing it right, and I'd, I hope that I'm one of these people, is are the people who are using AI to enhance the context of any topic. So Right. So you think about the job of an employee comms person, which is my, you know, my primary role. It's what Simpler really enables is HR and employee comms. When you think about why that's so important, so much of it is context. 
right? Like I could tell you, hey, we're moving your office. And I could give you no context or no details of it. And you're having all these emotional reactions, right? It could be good or bad, right? You could be thrilled. You could hate your office or you could be sad because it's going to make your commute longer. If you just had AI write something, I'm sure it would do, it would do an excellent job, but it doesn't have the context or the humanity in it. So if I'm using AI, and this is particularly talking about generative AI to create communications, um, if I'm using that, it's my job as a human to give the context, to give the empathy, to give the emotion. And so I think that the people who are using AI correctly are using it for that reason, in that way. When it comes to using AI as sort of the, you know, you, you read the description of our company to start with, and, you know, we talk about being AI powered. And what that means is really under the surface, we're using AI to surface things, to surface sentiment, to surface actions that a manager might need to take. And that to me is, could be the epitome of humanity in that we're using it to make some human's job easier and more efficient and more effective. So I can give you examples of that, but that's kind of where my head goes when I think about that, like how to use AI and still stay human, I guess. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So it's, it's augmenting the humans, not replacing them. We're not uh, sending out comms that are written by a large language model, for example. Exactly. I mean, I think there are people who probably are doing that, but I think, I think that the best practice is really is in using it to, I'll, I'll give you an example, the way that I use it. So the, I use AI, I use a bunch of different tools. I use it all day long. I use it for everything. And primarily I'm using it as, I like to say it's like my, my intern, my very smart intern. <laughs> so I'll go to it and I'll say, let's say, I'm, let's use your, that same example we had of the office closing, right? Rather than me going in and saying, write something about this office closing, the way that I'm using primarily chat GPT at this point, is I'll go in and I'll say, okay, I have to close an office. Tell me how somebody who's worked in that office for 10 years might feel or what questions they might have about it. And then I might say, tell me about the person who only commutes in once a week. What are they going to feel? I'm using it to exactly what you said, to augment any bias I might have, right? Because what if I, if I'm the person writing it and I'm based in the office, right? I might have a a bias, right? I might be sad or happy or whatever, and it might influence that communication. So the way that I use it is really to check some of that bias and to say, hey, give me the top 10 questions all of these different personas who are affected by this communication might have. Uh, and then I'll use that to humanize, right? And to the communication that we're actually writing. That's one, one way I, I use that sort of generative AI. I also use it for stupid things. I'm not going to lie. I use it for things like take this whole paragraph and remove all the passive voice from it or take all this and make it present tense versus past tense. So literally some of the silly little things that communications people have to do all day long and people don't even realize it. I'm using it for, to speed that process up a lot. Me too. So <laughs> yeah. So this is a great example to kick things off. So this is using a large language model like ChatGPT. And then it's got this enormous training data set, which gives you all this context from opinions and people that aren't you, 
So you can see all these different perspectives and that just works right out of the box. So I think that's a great introduction to a use case for AI. Now I'm guessing at simpler, it's not just large language models. There's other models behind the scenes to give us insights. Can you tell us about some of those? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the way that we kind of look at AI is in a, in a number of categories. So certainly we have, let's just start since we were started with sort of generative we absolutely have that built in. So let's say you are, I'm, I'm the comms person and I come to you and I say, Hey, I want you to write, write an article about changes with your podcast. And you're like, Oh my God, blank page. I don't even know where to start. Built into our intranet is very similar. The ability to go in and get started. So you might go in and I'll say, just go in there, write a few sentences about what you want to get across. So that's sort of the basics there. But what's happening kind of underneath everything are things like auto governance. We have something that we call the auto governance engine. And what this is doing behind the scenes is it is tracking when articles that we post, right? So reminder that intranets are just internal only, critically important to be private, right? So we don't want anybody from the outside seeing proprietary information or confidential information. So you've got this this, you know, small internet. What's happening with this auto governance is it is automatically looking and it's saying, okay, it looks like you published this thing three months ago is, and you published it as news. Is this really still news? You know, is this still relevant or is this, is this old and you should archive it? In the past, what would have to happen is people would have to pull an audit, right? They'd have to audit all of their content. They'd have to audit if things are still relevant. They'd have to, and and it really, these intranets have become these like dumping grounds. You'll search for something and you'll get like back to 2018 information that's outdated. And so one of the ways that we use AI regularly is for to, as our auto governance. And so it will automatically tell the writer what to do it will say, you know, it'll prompt them to either delete it or to make, you know, update certain dates. So that's, that's kind of one smaller piece of that we're using it. The other thing that we have, you know, search is pretty critically important within an intranet, right? If you can't find what you need, you're impacting huge things like productivity and efficacy and all of this. And so one of the things that we do is we have something called neural search. And so not only is it searching all of the, you know, all of the content, it knows what your habits are. It's looking behind the scenes to see what it can surface that's most relevant to you. And it's also searching in various other places, right? It's searching on other platforms that you might be using. Um, So that way it's not just like a tool anymore. Search isn't just a tool. It's like this companion because it's, really like getting information from various sources quickly into one one place. I think the most impressive use case that, at least for me, is the way that we are using it to track sentiment of employees. And this gets back to your first question about engagement, right? How do you know how an employee is engaged? Well, you can look at different data sources, right? We'll get, we can get into that, but you, could, you, know, you can look at adoption and engagement numbers, whatever. But you, what you really want to also know is how these people feel. And so traditionally, and I'm sure you've you've been a part of this or heard this before, but you would do a survey. You'd say, hey, what is, how do you feel in this moment about this thing? Which is great. 
it's absolutely what we would consider active listening, but it does have a little bit of bias. Like what if you're having a crappy day? What if it's raining outside and you want it to be sunny? What if you've just gotten feedback on something or a project failed? It is automatically going to influence that sentiment that you're giving in that survey. And so what we do at Simpler and what I think is probably the most, for me, it's the thing that I get most excited about is we are constantly under the surface passive listening and not the creepy kind, right? These are all things that people are putting out there. They're putting out their comments. They're putting out, they're providing their sentiment. And under the surface, we're constantly searching for what are those things signal and what do they ladder up to a general perception of how people are feeling at that moment in time and then tracking it over time so that you've got this constant passive listening happening on top of any active listening that you're doing by surveying. So I think it's really, that is going to transform, I think, how HR teams in the future address employee engagement and employee attitudes and all that good stuff. Okay. It makes a lot of sense. So we've got all this data, right? And we're not you know, looking at people's personal messages. It's stuff they're posting or interactions. Uh, every time that, you know, they click on the intranet, that generates data. So loads and loads of data. Can you tell us a bit more about how you translate that data into insight? So how do we know what is a valid signal of positive or negative engagement? Yeah, I mean, I think it goes, there's a lot of details into this. And, and I am not the expert when it comes to how it actually all functions. But they're looking at some of the most simple things that you can think of. Like when you make a comment and you say, mm, this is really disappointing, right? Like let's say you're reading an article about something. We'll go back to that office example. You're closing the office and you write in there, this is really disappointing. My commute's going to be longer. You know, the back, in the background of our platform, it is absolutely using that as a signal. It knows that when somebody says they're disappointed, and the context around that comment, it's going to know that it is a negative or a neutral spin. Now, if you were to say, I'm disappointed this didn't happen sooner, yay, it's going to know that too. And so it's looking at, it's smart enough to look in the background at all of those, you know, emotional attributes that are coming through that even things like an emoji, right? Like this is bad news, but you put like a you know, I, you, you, the, the listeners can't see my face, but like a half face, you know, where you're like, bleh, it, you don't, it, it signals that you're, you're maybe neutral. You're not necessarily negative or positive. So anyway, all of those things are adding in together. I think the thing about the data though, that is really interesting is you're getting all this data. As you said, every time you do anything on any platform, somebody's getting data on hopefully right on that, those behaviors. And on an intranet, those behaviors can tell us a lot. They can tell us how often somebody's logging in, when they're logging in, what they're reading, what their first steps are, what they're searching for and not delivering. And so all of that data then becomes signals for the communicator, right, or the leadership team to be able to look at and act on. And it could be as simple as keeping people in compliance. If if I've asked you to do something to comply, right? Like to read this handbook or whatever it is, and you haven't done it, it's tracking that. And it's going to give me a signal as a leader to say, oh, hey, you haven't done that and you're late, do it. As opposed to somebody having to pull a report, read the report, then send the email. So all of this stuff is becoming automated, which I think is going to only improve how we keep employees satisfied, which should be the goal, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, 
What else can we do in terms of discovering things that may be surprising or interesting that we wouldn't get from a traditional survey? And how has that led to action that maybe your customers have been able to take? Yeah, that's such a good question. I think I think it's the immediacy of access to the data that becomes the real win. So for example, you know, in the past, and again, surveying is is important. It's not going to go away. I don't imagine it's going to go away. I'm not an expert on that, but I can't imagine it's going to go away for a long, long time. It's going to evolve, but surveying gives you, it's what we were talking about, this point in time, but not only point in time, somebody has to analyze that data if it's not happening automatic. So you're getting all these feedback signals, you're analyzing them, and then you're putting them into action as opposed to you put something out on your internet, you know, like an executive is departing. Within minutes of somebody reading that, you can get a sentiment read and you can adjust. So let's say somebody, you know, I don't, they say simply something like, I don't understand, or this is confusing. Rather than post, right, post action, whatever this is, in that moment, I could go in as the communicator or the HR person and I could say, "Woo, it looks like people are confused. Let's go in and update this article so that it is more relevant immediately. Or let's take this and create an FAQ. So it's giving you all these signals to be able to act much faster. And because people are people and our moods changed so frequently, you then get this idea where you can see the sentiment changing and you could see it changing based on the actions that you take or you ask a leader to take. If, if that makes sense. Just that last part, what do you mean by the actions we or a leader take? Yeah. So like you, let's say you have a big team hmm. and you're announcing something to them that could go either way. And immediately they start to tell you like, I don't under, I don't understand. I need more clarity. You have a choice as a leader. One, you can go in and you can address it immediately. You can, you'll know who that person is. You can go address it with them directly. Or you could say, hey, I want to make a choice. I want to pull everybody together and let's have an open forum because it seems like people are confused. So what, as opposed to waiting for an action, right? And saying, hey, we'll have a town hall in six weeks. Well, six weeks is a massive amount of time to address potentially a sentiment issue. So you are given the ability to take action much quicker to address whatever that thing could be. Okay. And within the platform, it's going to give us signals quickly. So instead of having to read a hundred comments, it's going to summarize it and say, bottom line, people are confused. Maybe you should update this post. Something like that. Yeah. I think we will eventually get to that point where it is very specific for now. I think what you would be able to do is look at, okay, these are the neutral comments. These are the negative comments. These are the positive comments. The general trend is more positive. So you're like, okay, well, two people out of a thousand being upset is par for the course. So I'm not going to take an action. But if you saw a drastic impact in that data where it's like, oh my God, 50% of these people are showing me that they're confused, then then you would know it's not just it's not just, you know, a couple of loud people. It's actually an issue and be able to take an action. We will get to the point where it will give you those actions. It will do it for you. And and I think that's probably the next the next phase of what that looks like. Awesome. Okay. I've just got to come back to one thing, which is search. So you mentioned helping people find the right information, maybe if it's even not on the internet. I don't know if you know, uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but there's a study from McKinsey that found up to like 20 or 30% of knowledge workers' time is spent just finding information 
I, I thought that was mind blowing. But then I also thought, oh, that has actually been my experience throughout most of my career. So I able to just share a little bit about what you've been able to do to make that easier. Yeah. So let me give you a little interesting background just on search. So when I started my t- career in tech, so I was in broadcast news in news before this. So we'll we'll leave that to the side. But when I started at tech, I was at Yahoo. I spent ten years at Yahoo, and the reason that this is relevant is because Yahoo Search was the original, right? Even before Google, and. One of the things programs that I run when I when that I ran at Yahoo was called the Search Trends program. So what I would do every day is I would look at what people were searching for. We're talking about billions of searches, right? And analyze to put out what the trends were. And one of the things that we started to to see happen between I started there in around 2005. So between 2005, let's say, and 2012. You started to see the way people search change. You started to see people searching instead of searching for things like the word benefits. Well, it, let me let me back up. Let me use a better example. I'm going to use Britney Spears as an example. <laughs> I don't know how we feel about or your listeners feel about Britney, but she's having a moment right now. So <laughs> you don't have to comment on a, on it unless you want. Are you a, a Britney Spears fan? That's the real question. I am not, but it's going to be an example everyone's going to know. So it'd be perfect. (laughs) Okay, good. Okay, good. So in the past, when people were searching, they would search for Britney. They would literally type in the word Britney Spears, right? Now, the person searching for Britney Spears is trying to get to an answer. At the time, let's think about the, you know, when she was having a rough time. People were really searching for, like, is Britney Spears you know, having a breakdown? Is Britney Spears having another child? Is Britney Spears okay? That's what they meant, but they were searching just her name. And then they were having to sort through all this information. Obviously search has started to transform and people, one of the things we started to see when we look at search trends is people were asking questions. They were searching those exact things. Is Britney Spears pregnant? Is Britney Spears okay? Who are Britney Spears parents? How old is Britney Spears? All of the things that were starting to get more specific transformed now where it is so drastically in advance. I mean, from all of the widgets and the tiles you get within Google and Yahoo, you're going to get what you need very, very quickly. However, in the corporate world and in the employee platform space, they're behind. We're, We're behind. We have, until recently, still had these very basic search functionality. So hearing that people spend, I think that same study, which I read, it's like they spend two hours or something looking for information. And that's because employee platforms like technology platforms have not adopted some of the best practices that we're sitting here watching our consumer technology do. And so I think right now what's happening is everybody is catching up. And so people are, who run a platform like like simpler are getting smarter and they're saying, wait a minute, I don't want to make these employee one, we're measured by productivity. The only way we can prove that employee experience and internal comms is valuable is by proving it has an impact on the ROI of a company. If we are having people lost finding information about their benefits or about how to track the status or where to go to do this thing, we are wasting money and time. And so I think now everybody's kind of waking up to that. And so you're starting to see you know, enterprise search functionality come in and you're starting to see platforms like ours building smart search right into the platform so that 
it can look at all of the things you're using. If you use Jira, if you use Confluence, if you use Tableau, you're able to search within those in one place. You're not saying go to all these different places. You're saying search here. We're going to surface all of it in one place with a goal of speeding up your productivity. And so I think that's, that's kind of the direction that any kind of corporate technology or workplace technology is going. It's catching up finally to consumer. So the end goal is it should be as easy as Google. Type it in in natural language and it's going to find you the best results, not just on simpler or your internet, but any platform that's connected. <laughs> I know, right? That sounds great. <laughs> we need that at our company. Well, well, and it's, it's interesting. The thing I'll say about that is employees have been dealing with, of any company, any organization, any industry have been dealing with that annoyance for a really long time, right? Like somebody like me, I've been in, I've only been working for what, 20, 20 something years, right? It, the technology has advanced on the consumer side so fast and so much. And because I'm that sweet spot, right? That geriatric millennial that n- feels like I'm pretty good with technology, but I'm not, you know, I'm not Gen Zer, right? So I'm not the perfect at it, but my expectations are high. And so when I go into something that the company is providing for me and it is a crappy experience, even if it is that technology's fault, I'm blaming it on my company. I'm saying, hey, you're creating a bad experience for me. Why, why are you allowing this to happen? You know, so it, it all affects, it permeates every part of the experience an employee has, in, in my opinion. I think so. It's a, it's a frustration you face every single day, right? If that technology is not good. Thanks for sharing. So many uh, interesting insights on AI-driven employee engagement. We've looked at using generative AI that folks are familiar with, auto-governance, search, and then looking at all of the data that gets generated across multiple platforms to deliver insights that people can use to tailor the employee communication strategy. So thanks for sharing. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Data Driven Podcast. Thanks to Carolyn Clark, Vice President of Employee Experience Strategy at Simpler for joining us. Join us again tomorrow when Carolyn and I are going to discuss measuring the impact of internal comms on employee engagement. If you can't wait till our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Carolyn, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes or visit her company website at simpler, that's simpler with two Ps.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes, head over to datadrivenpod.com. We've got summaries of all our episodes and contact information for our guests. Of course, you can always reach out to me at storyiq.com. Just send an inquiry. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a steady stream of data-driven brilliance in your podcast feed, hit that subscribe button and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow. That's all for today. Remember, until next time, when it comes to data, less is more. (laughs) 